it's always wonderful to see and hear children, isn't it? Now, I've said that before in different churches and got different responses. But I've said it in several churches that had no children. And when we began to pray for children, youth, and workers, and God brought children, youth, and workers, there was a different response. I can always get louder than children can, so that's not a problem for me. And I know perhaps it bothers some people. But you know, the Bible is written and explained that children are a heritage of the Lord, and blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. And also, that it is the prayers and the hearts of children that make us as adults acceptable in God's sight too. So uh, I'm grateful for children and for those who had them. We had two. Uh, we have two great-grandchildren now. We have four grandchildren. And I am grateful for my granddaughter who has those great-grandkids because uh, it's past our time. <laughs> But we can enjoy them, and we are. Let me share with you, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16, if you want to go ahead and turn in your copy of the Word of God. But before I forget it, let me state it, because it's on my mind right now, and I may uh, it may slip out somewhere along the line in this message. Uh, so let me state it right now, we are looking at starting two new Sunday school classes. We will start one the first Sunday in March, which will be young adult couples. So you young adult couples, listen to me. Uh, particularly, we're going to be having a new Sunday school class starting the first Sunday of March at 9.30. We will have children's classes during that time, so bring your children as well. And uh, we'll be starting that Sunday morning, the first Sunday in March, 9.30. So uh, be preparing for that. We would love to have you. I would love to have you because I'm going to be teaching that and leading that class to start with. And uh, we'll be looking to uh, place some teacher there as well along the line. Uh, also, we'll be looking at sometime in the future starting another class, which will be uh, a adult, an adult class. Uh, it will have couples. It will be for different people um, and uh, uh, conglomeration, you might say. And so we want to get as many people in the Word and under the Word of God that we can. And um, that's how you reach people for Jesus, by the way. The Bible says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
And so that's what we'll be doing. If you are visiting with us here at Corinth, we are delighted that you're here. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we pray that the Lord will bless you as you worship with us today. Acts chapter 16, look at verse 25 and following. In honor of God's word, if you are able to stand, would you stand for the reading of God's word? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I find great joy in, in that. In the prison cells where Paul and Silas were, locked in stocks, uh, their feet and hands in stocks, they were singing praises to God. They were praying at the midnight hour. What better time to pray than when you're locked up? Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his home, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Pray with me. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Holy Spirit, meet with us this hour, this time together. Speak to our hearts and to the point of our need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Follow along with me from verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. 
And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. When Jesus Christ comes into a person's life, that person cannot be the same anymore. That life is changed. In fact, the Living Bible translates this verse, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are gone, new things have come. That's the difference that Jesus Christ makes in a person's life. Yesterday we had a great opportunity of prayer walking around the property here. We were praying for the church specifically. Specifically. The church needs prayer. We prayer walk, the WMU has prayer walked in the communities around here and are doing so continuously. We need to do so too wherever we live, wherever you live. You need to go walking in your community. Sometimes if not walking, driving through and just praying for your community. I try to walk at least every day and in the houses that I go by and the, the yards that I see, I, I see bicycles there. I see uh, uh, swing sets there. I see... Uh, toys out in the yard. I see cars there. So I pray for those who live in those homes, those children that are there. Don't know them, but I have an opportunity of saying hi and speaking to people along the way, hoping that some time, at some point, I may have an opportunity to witness and share Jesus with them. And a lot of times, it happened. Some of the ladies that went out yesterday said they were greeted by some at the doors and, and were welcome to, to talk and to share. Paul and Silas, in a town of Jerusalem, many people, were preaching the Word of God, witnessing, sharing Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's the only way that some of these people in these homes around the church, I did not know until yesterday how close these houses were to this church facility and churchyard. And, and I didn't know that they 
they wrap around, literally, our property. Community here, community here, community here. Folks, there are people literally surrounding our facility. I walked across to the cemetery. That's such an important place for so many people. Some of you have loved ones out there. The homes on each side literally surrounding. You could, you could, you could just about literally say the church is centered right here and surrounded by people on every side. Now the question is, have we impacted those people for Jesus? And what kind of impact are we making on them for Jesus? You know, some of us have gone on many years with the understanding and the thought that because we were baptized in this baptistry or maybe in a creek or a pond nearby, that that in itself is enough. We don't need to do anything else. My name is on the church roll. I've been baptized. So I'm going to heaven when I die. And that's not necessarily true. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So you better not base your salvation and your eternal destiny and home on the fact that you have been baptized and your name is on the church roll. For when we get to heaven, Jesus is not going to ask you, show me your church membership. (laughs) Show me your baptismal membership. Were you baptized inside the, the church building? Were you baptized in the creek? Were you, were you uh, baptized in a pond? How many times were you baptized? You may be baptized so many times in the creek that every tadpole in the creek knows you're so secure in them. But friend, listen. Jesus is not going to ask that. In fact, He won't ask us anything at all. <laughs> He'll know. He'll know. We won't get into heaven. We won't get through the gates without knowing Jesus Christ. That is the preeminent issue. Now, the 17th verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives us a promise. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the promise. But here, in this chapter, verse chapter 16, we've got prime evidence that what Paul says in 5.17 of 2 Corinthians is true. But you also have the declaration that if a man meets Jesus Christ, he isn't any longer the same in 2 Corinthians 5. But in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, you have demonstration of that declaration in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
that what Paul says there, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. A new life has begun. Jesus Christ makes the difference. I want to suggest to you this morning three ways in which Jesus Christ makes a difference in a person's life. The first way that Jesus Christ makes a difference is He gives him a new hope. Look at verses 25 and following. (coughs) But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to commit suicide, about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. All of the prisoners are here. Everyone is accounted for. Then he called for a light, the the guard did, and ran in and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Now that's a promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household, you and your family will be saved. That is a new hope. A new hope the jailer did not have before. Paul and Silas were in prison because they were preaching and teaching and witnessing in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had been locked. They had been beaten with many stripes, the Bible says there. Many stripes. So we can imagine the blood running on their backs. They were thrown into prison into the inner section, the secure section of the prison. Locked in stocks. They wanted to make sure they did not escape. They were singing praises to God. They were praying. Praying and singing and praying goes together. Worship goes together. That is a combination that's hard to beat. So when we gather here on Sunday morning, when we sing the songs of Zion, I wonder, I wonder, as you came through these doors this morning, did you come into this inter-sanctum or inner-sanctum with worship on your mind and in your heart? Did you come through those doors with a prayer on your lips that that in every pew that people will be sitting on this morning, that God touched them. Through the Word of God, through the music, can we pray, can we sing, can we worship the Lord God together? Because you see, that 
That's why we're here. This is why we come together as believers. We come together to get charged up, to go out there and be foremost a power to be dealt with through Christ in our lives to witness for Jesus in our world. Where we live, where we move, where we shop, where we play, where we work. Not like the world. Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They were locked up. And praying and singing. And all of a sudden, the earth began to shake. The earth began to move. The, the sail doors began to rattle. And all of a sudden, the sail doors became open. The ground erupted up underneath the jail. All of the prisoners' stocks and chains fell off. They could have escaped. They could have left. They could have ran. But Paul and Silas and the rest of them were there. Listen. Listen to what, what was happening in verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening. <laughs> Friends, let me tell you something. There is still opportunity for the believer today to go to homes and knock on doors and that door be open to you and you are invited in. That is something that is just wild to me today. That even in a world that does not have anything for the Lord Jesus, you can still go to people's homes in the communities and knock on the door, and even if you don't have your name on your, your coat, around your neck, or whatever, you can tell people who you are, and they'll invite you in if you're from Corinth Baptist Church. That, that just blows my mind. And people will listen to your witness about Jesus. That in the 21st century, that is still possible. In the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and worshiping, and the prisoners were listening. I can't help but believe that jailer, before he dropped off to sleep, was also listening. Because you see, when he woke up, he thought they had left Paul said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. We're all accounted for. Don't do yourself any harm. Well, why in the world would the jailer do that to start with? Because the jailer was charged with the life of the prisoner. And if the prisoner got gone, it was his life for theirs. So his thinking was, they're all gone, so I'm not going to wait for somebody else to kill me. I'm going to do it myself. And Paul said, sir, don't do that. 
Then the jailer came running in with a light, looking, leaping, and asked, I can imagine, Paul, why are you staying? Why, why did you stay? You had an opportunity to get out. And then he asked that most important question. What must I do to be saved? What in the world was going through his mind? This jailer who hours before had watched them be beaten, had, had locked them in the stocks, locked them in the inner section, uh, security section of the jail, had no thoughts for their back, had no thoughts for their beating, had no thought in his heart and mind or taking care of them or, or healing them or putting salve on the, 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 the stripes. No he didn't care at that time. But something transpired in his heart and life. And he runs to them and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But not only you, your whole household. If they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved too. That word believe has more than just a simple, well, I believe that Luke is sitting there and I believe he's got his Bible open and I believe. No, it's, it's, it's more than just intellectual assent. It is believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ is real, that he paid my sin debt on the cross of Calvary, and that I need him as my Lord and Savior, and therefore what he did for me is the fullness of what God intended for me to have in salvation, and so I reach out to him in trust. Trust. Trusting that what he did on the cross of Calvary to save my soul, to pay my sin debt, is what I need. And that I trust in Jesus and cast my faith on Him. Just like you came in here this morning and you sat down on that pew, you cast your faith in that pew and it will hold you up. And so far, it's holding you up. It's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> That's what it is. That is the difference. The Bible says, after... That jailer took him home. Uh, the, the Bible, uh, verse, uh, verse 32 says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They witnessed further to him about Jesus Christ and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Folks, that's the difference that Jesus Christ makes. He gives a new hope. There are so many people in our world today that are living in despair, despondency. And, and who wouldn't, with inflation flying out of this world, out of control, prices sky high and continuing to climb, people cannot meet their bills the way everything is going up, day in and day out. Or many are having difficult times doing so. People are living without hope. They see no hope in the future. They see no hope where they are. And they buy a one-way ticket out of life. But Jesus gives hope in the midst of despair. 
Jesus gives hope in the midst of despondency. Jesus Christ gives hope. And that's what the jailer experienced through Jesus Christ there that night in the middle of the night in Philippi. Jesus Christ gave him a new hope. But not only did he give him a new hope, he gave him a new heart. Look at verse uh, 31, 32, and 33. Uh, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all who were in his house. So he took them home. He took them the same hour of the night. He took them home. He washed their stripes. Immediately he and his family were baptized. Not only did he receive a new hope, he received a new heart. You know, this, this man uh, had the had heart transplant. He was one of the first heart transplants in the world. A totally different heart. God made the change through Jesus Christ. And, and a Roman jailer, because of, of his work, and, and, uh, and, and Brother Brian knows this, My, our youngest son is a policeman, has been a policeman for 20 years, and, uh, and Brian uh, knows that, has just retired, finally, fortunately, <laughs> bless the Lord, and, and from, from uh, deputy sheriff. And, uh, and so uh, a, a jailer and a law enforcement officer, by the virtue of his, his business that he works with, the type of people that he works with, sometimes can become just as callous as they are. Because he works with the riffraff of society. He works with those who are callous, who, who care nothing for people who will rob them, steal from them, kill them, hurt them in some way, in some fashion. And so they can become callous and uncaring, hard-hearted. And that's this jailer. As he put Paul and Silas in prison, he didn't care for their back, that they'd been beaten. He didn't care about what they were, who they were. Does it cross your mind that thousands and thousands of people every year And you don't have to go miles away right around the corner from us. Are people who are living hand to mouth. They think nobody cares. They think the church doesn't care because it's not reaching out to them. They think Their neighbors don't care because they're not in contact with them. They think the world doesn't care because it it doesn't even know that I'm alive. And thousands upon thousands, every year and every day, buy a one-way ticket out of line, thinking that's the answer. 
They live under pressure. They live in real human needs, thinking nobody cares. But Jesus Christ cares. Jesus said, you're the one I came for. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth, trusts in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus is able to give new hope and a new heart. That jailer had a new compassion and a new care and a new concern when he trusted Jesus Christ. And he took Paul inside his home and he ministered to their stripes, their hurts, and their hunger. He gave them food to eat. That's what happens every day all around us. Jesus Christ is changing lives. He's giving new hope and He's giving new hearts. There was a man by the name of Norman Parker many years ago. A pastor friend of mine said that he had witnessed to him a number of times, so many times, and he would say to the, to the pastor, Pastor, I'm just as hard on the inside as that brick wall pointing to the brick wall of the church. He was such a mean and hard individual that many times when his family would come home after church, his wife who had prepared the meal for lunch for the family after church, when they got home she would find that he had already eaten and thrown out the rest of the food into the garbage. She and the children would have to fix something else. The pastor moved away from that area and that church and four years later in the church where he was, knock came on his door. He opened the door to see Norman Parker standing there with a smile on his face. Eyes glowing. He opened the door wide and greeted Norman. And Norman said to him, Pastor, I heard you were here. I just had to come and tell you. I found Jesus. I've been saved. I've been baptized. I'm a member of the church, but I'm saved. I know Jesus. And I had to come and tell you, Jesus Christ has changed my heart. He's given me a new heart. He's given me a new hope. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new in Christ Jesus. One final thing. The difference that Jesus Christ makes is a new hope, is a new heart, (laughs) and a new home. (laughs) Hallelujah. I love this. Look at verse 
34. 33 and 34 again. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. (laughs) Oh, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do to be saved. You and your household. Friends, let me tell you, a lot of boys and girls, a lot of men and women have been saved because of the prayers of a mom and dad and a grandmom and a granddad. Don't you stop praying for that lost son, that lost daughter, that lost grandchild. Don't you stop praying for them. You keep on praying and praying and praying for the Lord to give them a new hope, for the Lord to give them a new heart, and for the Lord to give them a new home. That jailer, in the middle of the night, knew where some water was. He knew where some water was, the Bible says, and immediately he and all of his family were baptized. In the middle of the night. That's what a new hope and a new heart will bring you. A new home. Jesus Christ makes the difference. Jesus Christ makes the difference in the heart. Jesus Christ makes the difference in the hope. Jesus Christ makes the difference in the home. It's sad, it's very sad, today statistically, and I'll just give you this statistic, one, that over 50%, over 50% of Christian marriages today are ending in divorce. Does that shock you? I didn't, I didn't hear any, ooh. So it does not shock us, does it? It ought to. It ought to concern us. It ought to concern us so much that we get on our face before Almighty God who desires that we be married to one man and one woman for a lifetime. We know the reality. I'm not... Uh, uh, of refuting that at all. We know the reality. Over 50% of Christian marriages are breaking up today, but that doesn't mean we have to really want it or desire it. We should not want it nor desire it. And we should pray and work for it and seek for it not to be so. A new home. Do you know someone who needs a new home? Do you know a couple, a husband and wife, who needs a new home? Do you have someone in your family that's living under the stress and pressure of today? There was a guy who found Jesus, was saved gloriously, went to work and began to share his faith and 
about his changed life, and people noticed the change in him and his co-workers, and he began to share. They said, what, what happened to you? And he began to share what, what it was. They began to ask him questions, and, and then several of them poked fun at him. But he bravely, courageously said to them, guys, you know, I, I don't understand everything about what happened to me. I don't understand everything about what changes God has made in my life, but I know this. Whereas once I was lost, now I'm found. I know whereas once I used to take my check and go home and I'd, I'd buy beer and alcohol and I wouldn't care about whether my family was fed or not and the bills were paid. Now, I buy food, pay the bills. I don't know much about what Jesus has done, but I know this. Jesus Christ has changed my life. And if Jesus can change my life, He can change yours. One of the things I love to do is I love to watch or go to see dramas, outdoor dramas like The Lost Colony. I remember as we saw The Lost Colony there, this guy comes on the scene, he's thrown out of a pub and He's stumbling around and wobbling around and he finds his way, makes his way to, to the ship and he's coming over to, to America. And he's drunk and he doesn't know uh, where he's going, uh, beer and, and all spewing out. There in that last scene, before the drama ends, old Tom, the drunk, is no longer a drunk. He's walking back and forth with a gun on his shoulder, tattered clothes. He makes this speech. Oh, Roanoke, Roanoke, you made a man out of old Tom. When I hear him say that, I can't help but think. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You made a man out of Don Cashwell. You made a man out of me. And if you can make a man out of me, you can make a man out of anyone. 
who will give their heart and life to you. Who will believe in you. Who will trust in you. You will give them a new hope. You will give them a new heart. And you will give them a new home. That's the difference Jesus makes. And that's the difference Jesus wants to make in your heart and life today. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never surrendered to Him and said, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart and life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. And give me eternal life. And help me to live the rest of my days for you. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh friend, if you've never trusted Jesus, let today, make today be that day. Christian, Maybe you, you have wandered away and, and you're out on your own. You're living out on the edge and, and you really aren't where you need to be with Jesus. Oh, His arms are open wide for you to return. Come to Him. And let Him bless you, and forgive you and restore you. Whatever your need is today, the altar is open. I'm here, we're here. We'll pray with you. God help you to make your decision for Jesus today. If you're here and this is the the place the Lord would have you to place your membership and serve Him through, come today. Don't put it off. Come today. Lord Jesus. Bless this time of invitation for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.